Welcome to On The Move from the Texas A&M Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management. In this episode, we hear from Dr. Jenna Yentes about her experience helping students in the department reach their career goals. Howdy and welcome to another episode of On The Move. I'm Chelsea Reber and today I am joined by Dr. Jenna Yentes, an Associate Professor in the Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management. Dr. Yentes, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'd love to talk a little bit more about your background and how mm-hmm. you got to Texas A&M. Oh, well, <laughs> it's kind of a story. I was faculty at the University of Nebraska Omaha and through roundabout ways, um, my partner and I ended up here at A&M, so he is also faculty, I'm faculty, and A&M has a really great program to bring two faculty members together. Most universities don't have programs like that, so that's how we ended up here. In what year was that, that you came to Texas A&M? Uh, 2021. Okay, so fairly new to yes. the area. Yes. Are, are you enjoying College Station? Actually, yeah. We didn't know exactly what to expect in yeah. Texas, and we really love it. The people mm-hmm. have been wonderful. That's awesome. So. Can you tell me a little bit more mm-hmm. about your research? What does it focus on? And to someone like me who is not well-versed <laughs> in the field, um, what exactly is it that you do? Okay, so I'm a biomechanist, uh, which means that I study the physics of movement. Uh, so I look at the forces that your body generates, and a lot of that is the application to rehabilitation, like physical therapy or injury prevention. Some of it can be based in performance for sports science, those types of things. In specifics, my research deals with aging and resiliency in aging. So I look at how people walk and how they stand. I realize that I'm not going to cure any of their diseases, but I would love for people to feel like they have that ability to interact, to go where they need to go, to do the things that they want to do throughout life. And so looking at how different conditions impact that and how we can generate early identification of people that may have difficulty in the future with that type of function. And so a lot of my research is focused on those areas of aging. Is there a reason that you got interested in that? Is there a personal story or is it just something that kind of uh, intrigued you (laughs) at some point in your education? So um, when I was doing my master's degree, I worked with a faculty member that studied what we like to call gerokinesiology, so the combination of gerontology and kinesiology. Mm -hmm. And she focused a lot in falls and fall risk. And she used this theory that, Most people aren't going to know and understand, but it's called dynamic systems theory. So if you've taken my class, you will know about it. And she was the first person to really show me how a theoretical model could be used to actually drive a rehabilitation program. And that really intrigued me. And then the fact of the matter was I was watching my own parents age. At the time, my grandparents were all still alive. So I was watching them age Mm -hmm. and really just wanting to be able to help them feel secure in their movements and not be afraid of falling. And so a lot of that really just kind of drove that passion. Mm -hmm. You are also the acting director of the Huffines Institute. Mm -hmm. Can you explain the Institute's mission and then what your responsibilities are right now as that acting director? Okay. Well, the Sydney and J.L. Huffines Institute for Sports Medicine and Human Performance. Got to get the whole name out there. Very nice. You did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um... 
we are an interesting institute on campus because we're independent of academics and we're independent of athletics. So we sort of sit in between both of them. And our mission is really to amplify the research and provide good information about sports medicine and human performance. There is so much messy information out there. So really our job is to connect individuals, to provide that as a source of information, and then to sort of provide infrastructure for those that do want to do research or do that work. So we provide testing and a place for people to come and do research. My role really is to make sure the building doesn't burn down. <laughs> no, there's a bit more than that. I actually host um, a podcast called oh, We Do the Heavy Lifting. Mm -hmm. And I oversee a smaller staff, but we produce weekly, which we call uh, Huffines Human Performance Minutes. We do regular posts. We provide research money to both faculty and to students. So students can get grants to support the research or to travel to present the research. We provide testing. So we have an associate director or director of our testing center, Dr. Martin. He oversees um, cardiopulmonary exercise tests and other various tests that we do. We do some strength tests. We do uh, body composition through DEXA. And we provide that service. Currently, we provide it to both the Bryan and College Station firefighters, police departments, the Texas Task Force, Brazos County Task Force, local FBI. I'm missing a few. So there's quite a few that come in. We're and, and why busy. is that service important for professions like that? There's various reasons. Um, one, it's, it's important for people to understand their own health. But in those professions, those high-risk you know, first responder type professions, it's important for us to understand that those individuals are ready and capable to do their jobs. Um, not saying that they wouldn't be if their scores weren't, but those, those departments track that information mainly for the health of their individuals. It's not for them, but it's for their people to ensure that their people feel that they're ready to go. And um, we have a physician that comes in that we hire that sits and talks to each one of them about the results and really works with them if anything is needed. So it's great to get those regular checkups. A lot of people don't, I hate to say they don't have the time, but everyone's busy. And so they may not get those regular checkups at their doctor's office. We've talked about your research, but I know that teaching is a big part mm -hmm. of your world as well. So what classes do you teach? I actually only teach one class okay. at this point. Um, I am new here, so I'm sort of fitting in where I need to go. Sure. I teach um, Kinesis 406, which is motor learning and skill performance. All right. And what do you hope that your students accomplish or even take away from one of your classes once they're done? So that class is interesting. It is probably the first class that they get where there's no right answers. So it's a theoretically based class. It's the theories of human movement and theories of um, motor skill learning. So we don't actually know, like I can't cut open your brain and look and say, oh, are you actually learning? And those are the neurons that are doing it. Uh, we just have these theor theoretical models of how that all works. And so for my students, most of them want to go on to be practitioners. They want to go on and be physical therapists, uh, prosthetists, uh, PAs, physical uh, physicians assistants, or they want to go into sports science or strength and conditioning, those types of things. Mm -hmm. And 
it's really important for them to understand if you're going to create programs for your clients, you need to understand how you think the body moves so that you can target those particular areas. And then you need to understand the fundamentals of how to teach a skill. Um, You think back, there's probably been times in your life where learning how to ride a bike or some other motor skill, it was taught in a in a great way. And there may be times that you think about a skill and it was not taught in a good way. And what makes that different? How can you get people to a higher performance quicker? How can they gain those movements quicker? You know, all the things from how often do you give feedback? What kind of feedback? Where do you direct their attention? All of these things are discussed in this class. So it's really one of those where there's not really a right answer, but everything is applicable. Yeah. We've talked to a few different professors in the department. It always fascinates me to find out how you got to where you are today. Was there a point in your education, whether it was in elementary school or maybe high school, where you thought, this is what I want to study. I want to study human movement. Um, and, And when did that happen for you? So I'm a first gen college student. And I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I came from a very um, religious family in which I was meant to go into missionary work Mm -hmm. upon high school graduation. So college wasn't even an option. And so I went to community college and had a scholarship to go to community college. I was a pretty good student. And then um, I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do. And I was sitting on the couch one day, and my dad was like, you're not going to sit on the couch either. You go do this, or you go do this, or you go back to school. And so I opened up the phone book. Yes, there was a phone book at that (laughs) point in time. And I looked at schools, and I ended up going to massage therapy school. Okay. And during that course, I took this class called kinesiology. And it was where we learned all the muscles. We learned their origins, their insertions, their actions, all of that good stuff. We started with the lower body. And I just, it was rote memorization. Like you Mm -hmm. just memorized everything. And we started on the upper body and it just clicked for me one day. I still remember it. I was like, oh, that's what I learned. And I was like really fascinated that like Mm -hmm. I learned how these muscles were actually like contracting to move a bone. And I worked at a bar in which my my manager had a degree in kinesiology. It's probably not the best. <laughs> best mentor right away, but yeah, that's okay. You know, it's probably not the greatest, uh, you know, advertisement for our degree program. <laughs> there are other careers available, <laughs> lots and lots. And he had gone to the University of Northern Colorado. So I just saw it being a first-gen college student. That's where you go for that degree. And so that's where I ended up. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it, learning. And it to this day, it still fascinates me. We don't really know how it all works. And just trying to understand how that control of your movements, how your body decides to move in different situations, Mm -hmm. all of that is just really fascinating to me. When you have a student who comes to you who maybe is unsure of of what exactly they want to do, maybe they are here and they kind of have an idea how do you help guide them into a, a certain direction? And not that you try to push them one way or another, but how do you help them make that decision? Oh, man. I have so many students in my office with the same thing. I mm-hmm. think I'm one of those faculty members that's really open about my path and mm-hmm. how many turns and twists my path took to get to where I am today. And so I think they feel comfortable coming in. Sure. And a lot of times they come in thinking that 
you know, life is a straight line and I've always wanted to do this and this is where I'm going to go. And then they take my class, for instance, and then they start listening about how, you know, I always give this example of, it's a long story, but I always show them this video of this gentleman that has Parkinson's disease and he's walking and he's, he's very much so stuttering with mm -hmm. his steps and then he kind of falls down. And then the very next video is of him on a bicycle and he just goes and he coasts and he like turns and comes back around and he hops off the bicycle like a six-year-old kid and then can't walk. And you start to present them with things like this mm -hmm. and they start going, oh, like there is a lot more to this than just going in and rehabbing somebody that's had an ACL injury. Sure. And I think you just open their world up to all these different possibilities. So when they come in, it's really not a discussion of, you know, what do you, what career do you want? It's what do you want your life to look like? Mm. You kind of need to almost reframe it. Yeah. Like, do you want to be known for working with an elite sports team and be traveling all the time and have that fast-paced life? If so, go be an athletic trainer. Right. Like, that is where you need to be. Go do that. Mm -hmm. But if they're like, no, I want to have a big family and I want to go to all my kids' games and I want to do this, it's like, okay, then what careers will leave that mm -hmm. available to you? Mm -hmm. And you start looking at it from a different point of view of, and it's that idea of work-life balance. It's sure. something that we don't really take into account. We're all so busy and we neglect it. And I always right. tell them, you know, when you're saying yes to all these different things, you're saying no to something. Mm -hmm. Typically what you're saying no to is your family and your friends. And I think that's hard for a college student to, to think about choosing that mm -hmm. already, yeah. right? You know, when you're 20, 21 years old, you might not be thinking that far ahead. And you get told to say yes to every yep. opportunity because you don't want to shut the door on something yeah. that was a potential, you know, dream job. Yeah. Um, so I love that, that just helping them navigate towards mm -hmm. what their ultimate lifestyle yeah. is going to be versus just their career. Exactly. And it's, those things change, right? Yes. I mean, you could mm -hmm. be like, yeah, I want to be married and have kids. And then, you know, life goes on and you're like, that's not really that important to me sure. anymore. I want to see the world. Mm -hmm. So all of that changes and it ebbs and flows. It's just being able to not pigeon your whole, pigeonhole yourself into these ideas of like, oh, I have to be a physician and I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. And that is all I can be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the field is so huge with so many different opportunities that you know, you don't even know what's available. As a little kid, you see firefighters, you see police officers, and you think, oh, those are the types of jobs. But nobody ever tells you, like, you know, there's a chemical engineer that goes out there and does taste testing, right? Right. They, they, they create the taste that uh -huh. you're going to have. It's like, who even thinks that that's a job? <laughs> uh, and so that happens in kinesiology as well. There's sure. all these jobs out there that people don't even realize that mm -hmm. are associated with the field mm -hmm. that they can go into. They just haven't been, you don't know what you don't know. Sure. Speaking of lifestyle, I did a little bit of prep before our interview and I went to your Twitter account and mm. I noticed that it said lover of corgis. Yes. And I'd love to ask you about your corgi or corgis. Do you have multiple? We have two. Okay. Because they're like potato chips. You can't have just one. Um, they are, I don't know. I, I just, 
I love them so much because they look so ridiculous that when they run towards you, right. all you can do is laugh because they just <laughs> look so silly. I mean, they're little stumpy legs, so they always make you happy. You can't yeah. see one and be like, "That's true." I'm in a bad mood and I'm angry. You see them and you're just like, "Oh, you're yeah. just adorable." Yeah. So, and ours have tails, okay, which makes them very unique. So right. they're both rescues because they usually have a little nub. Yeah. yeah. So some are actually uh, born now with the nub okay. because they've been docking oh, them for so, for so long. long. Okay. Yeah. Um, and now some countries don't allow you to dock. Sure. Um, which I'm fully supportive yeah. of. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they just get a lot of attention. They're well known at the Dutch Bros here in town, and they know their name. And that's great. Yeah, so that's they great. just yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one with a long tail. So I'll show you some pictures. When okay, we're done. perfect, yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to totally derail, but no, I, I okay. wanted to make sure I got it, a chance. It could to go ask. on forever. So <laughs> I figured. Now I I do want to get back to you study human movement. Mm -hmm. Is it hard to turn that researcher mode off? Like you're just running an errand or running errands over the weekend. <laughs> you see human movement everywhere. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you constantly thinking about it? Yeah. When people realize that like I study walking, they never want to walk around In front me. of you, yeah. <laughs> because I always have something to like add You're to judging it. me. Yes, yes. And it's, but we all do it, right? We all... We hear those sounds. You can tell if you've lived with a person for so long, you know their steps, you know their pattern of their movement. Mm -hmm. um, but there's certain people that have distinctive moving, movement patterns, like um, soccer players usually walk a certain way because they've learned to run a certain yeah. way with the way that they dribble the ball. So is it like a guessing game too? You watch people and you're like, oh, yeah. soccer player, yeah. oh, dancer. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you can usually, you can get a pretty good idea. And then there's some people that you, you know, you watch them and you know that they're going to need help in the oh, store. Yeah. So I am one of those people. It sometimes drives my partner crazy. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go help this older person. They're like, mind your own business. I'm like, no, that person I can needs. Tell. Yeah. I can tell. They need help. <laughs> so and usually they're very thankful for it. I haven't been sure. yelled at too many yeah. times. But yeah. Yeah. Is, are there little things that people can do to improve their walking without going to see a doctor or going to see a specialist mm -hmm. or an expert? I think one of the biggest things for in general, not just walking, is to stay active. I know we say it all the time, but park your car further away. Mm. Like, don't drive around for 10 minutes looking for the first parking spot. Like, yeah. go ahead and park at the end of the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Take the stairs instead of the escalator. Mm. Just those simple things. I know that it seems something so small and it's not going to undo. It's not going to undo all the, you know, donuts that you ate that day. Sure. Um but they add up and they do keep us active and stay as active as you can. Mm -hmm. And when you notice, there's this thing where you, you reset as you age. There's this new normal. Every time you go see the doctor, they're like, how are you doing? You're like, fine. Because, yeah, a year ago you used to walk the golf cars and now you're driving the golf cart. Mm -hmm. But you've been driving the golf cart for so now so long mm -hmm. you've forgotten that I walked it just a year ago. And so this new normal has been set and we've forgotten how much activity we've been giving up. Mm -hmm. So trying to keep that in mind so that when you do go, you can say, you know, I used to walk the golf course, but now I'm breathless. Mm. And now they can do, because it's not always just about your muscles. Sometimes it's other sure. organs too. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you can get a pulmonary function test to mm -hmm. see if, you know, something's going on that's causing you to become breathless mm -hmm. and they could catch it earlier. So I think just staying really active and then if, if it's in your lifestyle to have a regular strength 
routine mm-hmm. of whether that's lifting weights or, you know, lifting cans of soup. I don't know, whatever it may be that you have yeah. access to, trying to figure out what you can do to just keep yourself, you know, mobile. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think some people, if, especially if they were very athletic when they were younger, mm-hmm. um, they get to a point where they can't do what they used to do. Mm-hmm. And so then they think they're not doing anything yeah. worthwhile to begin with. So this the month of January, I gave myself a goal of walking 30 minutes a day outside, mainly just for the fresh air, but just to, to kind of, and within that month, it was amazing how much just better I felt just the moving where mm-hmm. I would normally say, well, a 30 minute walk, that wasn't a workout. That wasn't enough because I, you know, yeah. I didn't go and do an hour long intense workout, but it just, it adds up. And so Mm -hmm. I can, I totally see that, but I, I'm sure it is hard for some people once they get to a certain point where they're not doing what they were doing at 25, 30, maybe even 35. Um, and so then they just choose to not do anything. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Exactly. And I mean, life is crazy. You have a lot of people have kids and they have other, you know, responsibilities. Mm -hmm. They're, they're taking care of a sick relative. They're taking care of their children. They're life is huge, right? There's just so many other aspects to it, but just finding those little tiny aspects where Mm -hmm. you can do that. And and it just, it really does add up and it does contribute to your mobility later on. It does Mm -hmm. allow you to have a lot more freedom later on in life. Well, you're still fairly new to Aggieland. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you love about working at Texas A&M and just being part of this community, especially here in the Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management? Well, like I said, I love the people in Texas and the people in this community have been no different. They have been really welcoming. The department in general has so many interesting and amazing things going on. Every time I talk to a new faculty member, I'm fascinated by the work that they're doing and trying to figure out how we could work together. Um, the students here at AM have been incredible. Um, they have been really welcoming, but they're, they're really respectful. They really do want to learn, and they really do exemplify those Aggie core values, mm-hmm. which I really do appreciate. And... I don't know, the spirit of A&M is, it's something you will not find anywhere else. I try to tell my undergrads this, there's no other university like this in the world that I can think of. Um, No other place has these types of traditions and buy-in from the students and the support that they have. So it's a really unique place. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. This podcast is housed in the School of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M University, where we transform lives.